Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you are transformed by audacious faith, inspiring hope, and extravagant love. The first week we looked at a number of common ways of looking at the world, the way people think and uh, people think about their world and, and that makes a difference. So we looked at, first of all, materialism and uh, how that really is very simply the one with the most goodies um, is the one who uh, is better off in life and that's what really matters for others. Then the second worldview was narcissism. Um, in other words, individualism. It's all about me. What can I have? What can I do? I think about me first. The next week after, sorry, the, the third one was um, was hedonism. In other words, we do whatever feels good, what's pleasurable. If it, if it pleases me, that's what I'll do. Uh, the fourth one was uh, uh, pragmatism. In other words, if it works for you, which is probably one of the most common worldviews um, in the people that you and I will meet on a daily basis, it's uh, it's massive. Um, it really is. Uh, in other words, if uh, if if which was what we're talking about, truth, and they just say, well, it might be true for you, but not for me, that whole thinking. Um, the fifth one was uh, was naturalism. Uh, God doesn't exist or matter. In other words, that's a what you see is what you get worldview. And uh, so, in other words, if you can see it, it exists. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Uh, basically, a humanism uh, is part of that. And... Um, um, and then, sixthly, we talk about humanism, but um, it says you are your own God, which is more, um, is probably more of um, a haunted worldview, really, than uh, than humanism. Uh, but it's um, it's it, it's um, it's about, in other words, you'll become a God, or you'll become kind of that. And and uh, there's lots of variations on each of these. Um, it's it's they say that there's as many worldviews as there are people in the world, because we all kind of. Um, uh, interpret them slightly different. And of course, the seventh one was that God made us for his purpose. He gave us with meaning and a plan for our life, which is theism. So we looked at that the first week. And then last week, we looked at how can we know what true, what is true. Um, and particularly, we started off at looking at the signs of truth decay in society and how our world um, is... is um, re-looking at truth and so often he's saying there's no absolutes but they've made that an absolute and so we talked about that and we talked about the first three aspects on on your outline and uh, the first one was that when truth goes in a society the first thing that you see also one of the things I don't know if they're in priority or in a kind of order particularly but um, but one of the things is immaturity people um, are very selfish. People think, well, if it's true for me, or if there isn't any truth, and it's only what I think is truth, then obviously it becomes a very selfish um, mindset in society, so we become very immature. Um, and so we ask the question of ourselves, in what area of my life am I childish? Is there an areas that I look at where I'm very selfish? I'm like a uh, you know, a young child or a teenager in that kind of thing that I just want my own way. And um, so that was a the thing. Then the second one was immorality. And um, uh, that one basically was, in other words, when truth doesn't go, you can, and you don't have any boundaries, you don't have any, uh, you know, understanding of what is right and is wrong, then of course, 
we open ourselves to doing things that, uh, that, that are immoral. And, uh, and so our society is like that. And so, of course, we don't need to go on with that for a, for a long period of time. But, um, but it is, it is um, affecting uh, as a nation massively. And uh, so we just looked quickly at that. And, uh, and the question with that, really, that I hope you answered in your connect groups and that you kind of fleshed out a little bit was, in other words, what are the things that you're making an excuse about? What is it that you're doing that you're excusing in your life? You're rationalizing it, yes, rational lies. In other words, we make excuses for doing things that are, are wrong. And uh, the third one was, uh, if we, we, when truth goes, we start living in unreality. We start living in, we just want to live in an illusion uh, of our world, which is why I think particularly television is so prevalent, movies are so prevalent. That's not to say you don't watch television or movies, but what I'm saying is, is we have a tendency to try to live and want to live in a rea in a false reality, and we want to go into a movie or into into a whatever it might be, even a documentary, all sorts of things, and we just don't want. We want to kind of get out of the reality of our life, and we want to live in someone else's reality. Um, and so that affects us as a society because of our uh, lack of understanding truth, yes? And so uh, we live a world of lies. So basically then the question that, again, I hope you talked about in your connect group was, what lies am I believing? What lies or, what th or in what way am I faking it? You know, we heard the phrase, fake it till you make it. <laughs> but in what area are you pretending? You're putting a mask on in your life, because when you're doing that, that's part of living in that world view, that, uh, that you're saying that I'm actually going to live um, false. I'm trying to be, pretend to be somebody that I'm not, because I don't maybe sometimes like who I am, so I want people to like me, and so it's so easy for us to do that. So those were the three things that we looked at last week. Um, the, the next three that I want to quickly look at is uh, when truth decays in our society, the thing that happens then is illegality. In other words, we, we, there's no right and wrong in our world, yes? Where, and uh, Proverbs 29 and verse 18 in the Living Bible says, where, where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. Where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild, yes? And so if that has to happen because there's no right and wrong. There's who makes the right and wrong, and we know that we're in a society who is now changing the laws so that what was wrong is now right, and what was right is now wrong, yes? And, and so that's the thing. I mean, there's, there's lots of things in the news. I don't know if you get uh, emails from Christian Concern or Christian Institute. They're very good for you as Christians to see what's going out on in the wider world and how Christians are now, because they believe a biblical worldview, that, uh, that the prevalent worldview, which is this postmodernist, which in other words is, uh, you know, you, 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 you don't believe uh, what the Bible believes. So in other words, the, the tolerance now is gone. It, you know, we would be seen as intolerant. So a biblical worldview is seen now by our government and by uh, society has been an intolerant view of the world. And I think that's important. I mean, I don't know, they, what they, one of the things they did do is that there's been this guy at Sheffield University, 
who actually lost his place on the course because he was training to be a social worker. I don't know if many of you read about it. And they actually produced uh, the transcript of what was being said in the court. It's very eye-opening to kind of see this, how that because he put something on Facebook um, about, uh, about the LGBT uh, side of things and his, his understanding of biblical view, um, that, uh, that he lost his, his place and was told he could not serve in social services. And so there's a court case going on now, um, even as we speak. And the outcome of that will actually could change our society, change our laws dramatically. Now, if he wins it, then that would be very beneficial to us. Yes, that's, that's what we're praying for, that, uh, that, that they're in the midst of this. But, uh, but if, the, if, the, if, the, if we lose the course, if this uh, lose the court case, then it does mean to say that nobody being a Christian can ever mention anything in any part of their life, and it's even to the scale of church. They're trying to say, well, in church, that's your faith, and maybe you can express it in church, but it's still not a definitive. So in other words, we're getting to the state of the thought police. So in other words, you and I can't, can't just say what we want to say. The things that I'm talking about and some of the things that I talk about in church um, are things that actually could end up either, um, you know, being in prison. And I've said, I said this probably 20 years ago when I first came to the church. I talked about the way that we were going and that if we carried on going, that people would lose their jobs and would end up in prison as a result of it. We are seeing that regularly on a basis now. And it's because there is a decay of truth in our society. There's no understanding of right and wrong. There's no plumb line from which we live. You see, if you don't have a plumb line, what happens is, is you can just do whatever you want to do. The difficulty is now is they've changed it. So what would have been from a biblical worldview was wrong, uh, which is the homosexual. Now, uh, now it's saying that if you, are, uh, if you don't promote homosexuality, then you are intolerant. That's not that you've just got a different understanding or a different worldview. It's that you are intolerant. And, uh, and so that's, anyway, so that's what's happened is it becomes the illegality. Change, things change. The good becomes bad. The bad becomes good. And, um, and it changes the whole way we work. And I just wanted to kind of bring that down to us in a personal level. And, um, and what I find for, for I, 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 I find it in my life that I, I have to kind of look at and struggle with. And so I know you guys are going to do the same. And that is what is known as the Titanic Principle. The Titanic principle is where they built this boat and they built it so that the hull of it was made into compartments. This was unheard of before that. It was one, uh, one whole hull. <coughs> they believed that they could flood one compartment and it wouldn't affect the rest of the boat. The ship could stay afloat. It could do one compartment, maybe two compartments, maybe three compartments, whatever. So they had this ship down as being unsinkable. Now, you and I know that the Titanic sank because we live as a result of that. But actually, we often live like that in our personal lives that we think that if one compartment in our life, that if that's flooded, if that's not right, if that's living not right, that actually it's not going to affect the rest of the boat. It's not going to re- re- affect the rest of our life. 
But actually, if you have one compartment in your life that uh, there is a problem, it's going to, you're going to struggle with it. And it's going to affect the rest of your life. As much as you think, oh, I can, I've just compartmentalized, that's my work life, and that's what I do in my work life, and that's how I think in my work life, but when it comes to my private life, I'm different to this. In other words... We do this. So, for example, like I talked about, the, the world is wanting us to have faith as a private faith. They're wanting us to compartmentalize it so that it doesn't affect any other area of our life, so we don't verbalize it in the public arena. And so, it, that, you know, it's going to affect us. So, what I'm saying to you is, it, it may be a little thing, you know, I'm just dishonest in this area. I just tell lies in, on, on this area. I just fake it in this area. Or I'm just, uh, I'm selfish only just on this area. Or I Whatever it might be, we, we start to compartmentalize our life. And I, I just want to ask you the question now for you to think about and, and then in your connect groups to actually talk about that, to say, to ask the question, in what areas do we compartmental our lives so that you can flesh it out a little bit? And it's amazing how many areas of our life we compartmentalize. And, and I've done it, you know, you watch a movie and you think, well, it's a movie, so it's okay to listen to swearing and this sound. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But then in the rest of my life, oh, well, it's not going to affect the rest of my life, but it does affect the rest of our life. It affects what goes in our mind. And so there are so many things that we think, so talk about that in connect groups. What are the areas that we, that we are now in, in, although we might not be doing it on a big scale, there's some little area that we have just got a compartment in our life where we are believing that, like the Titanic, that we can just keep sailing and nothing is going to happen, that we can have this area in our life that no one else knows about, that no one else thinks and, that, that we don't think they know about, or we hope they don't know about, and so that actually we think it's not going to affect the rest of our life, but does affect the rest of our life, yes? So talk about that. It's, I think it's an important thing. The, the next one is idolatry. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. They worshipped the things God made, but not the creator himself. Yes. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. They worshipped the things God made, but not the creator. The problem is, is when we don't accept God's truth, when we have a wishy-washy truth, when, when there is no truth in our, in our life, when we're not following the truth, because we know the truth from last week is, the truth is what? The truth, not a truth, not one of the truths, but the truth is Jesus. It's not, a, it's not an intellectual thing, it's a person. The truth is God. God is truth. And so that's important for us to, to understand that. And so the problem is, is when we stop putting God at the center of all our life, when we stop putting him as the truth, then what happens is we start to idolize all sorts of other things. We worship things that we shouldn't. The things that maybe are not that they're bad, but they become too high in our life. They become too, too prominent in our life. They become first before God. Uh, they become first maybe before family. It might be family that you put before God. I don't know what it might be. But what we start to do, we start to idolize the wrong things. We idolize beauty. When you look at me, you know, it might be that you idolize fashion or you idolize somebody's wealth or you idolize 
a, a position in life or you idolize a person in your life. I don't know what it might be, but when God is not central, when the truth is not central, we believe all sorts of other things and we start to idolize things that we shouldn't idolize. It's so, so easy for us to do that. And so I'd love for you and your connect group to talk about that. What has become too important for you? That's a good question, I think, isn't it, to ask? I'd ask myself, what has become too important for you, Jonathan, that, uh, that, that has meant that you're no longer believing the truth of God being central? I think that's, that's a good, good question for us. And, and, and flesh it out in your connect group. What is it that maybe that you're starting to put center where God is maybe, uh, you know what God's heartbeat is? Um, maybe, for example, um, you know, you know God wants you to serve in church. He wants you to be involved in something, whatever it might be. And, uh, but you've got something else that's more important. You've got other schedules. It doesn't fit your schedule. It doesn't fit uh, whatever it might be. So look at whatever it might be in that aspect. But what are you putting in place of God? And then the last one that I'll touch on is injustice. What, in, in, when there is no truth in society... When truth is whatever you want it to make it to be, Isaiah 59, 14 says, There are courts opposed people who are righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the streets, and fairness has been outlawed. Well, I just mentioned that about the, the, the social worker, didn't I? But we could go through, if I brought the stuff from the Christian Institute, for example, we could spend weeks just looking at those aspects to see how... When truth goes in a society, injustice abounds. Injustice abounds. Our society, the law courts, the, 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 the law is just going all over the place. They're struggling to know because how can you legislate something as right and something as wrong if actually you believe that actually there isn't a right and a wrong? Oh, you don't know, and, and what's right for you is not right for me. If you've got that kind of thing, no wonder there's anarchy. No wonder there's chaos uh, in our society of that. But you see, we are called to be salt and light. Because sometimes when we understand how our culture is, is going and the way it's gone, we can sometimes think to ourselves, but what can we do about it? What, Jonathan, can I do about this that is on such a... Um, on such a massive scale, what can I do about it? Well, I'll tell you what you can do. You can stand up for truth. That's what you can do. You can, you can understand that, in your, uh, that, that God's call on your life is to be both salt and light. Yes, salt is where you get in there and you can be a little bit of a pain to people because you are talking about the truth. You know, we shy away from talking about the truth, don't we? Because we don't want to offend people. But they're happy to offend us. They're happy to kind of to say what, we're, what we believe or what we think is wrong. But when we, we stand up for the truth, then of course, things, and we need to be light. We need to, to do that. So how can we know what's true? How can we know that? Yes? Well, I think the first question to ask is, do you think you can handle the truth? Because many people can't handle the truth. Because if you speak the truth, they think to yourself, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what the truth is. I'm not in, 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 interested. And one of the things that I've noticed is that generally is that it's, that it's harder for intelligent people to understand the truth or to live by the truth. Not to maybe to understand it, but to accept it. 
for the simple reason is the intelligent guys are often think that they know best. They think that they can suss it out, they can work it out, whatever. But, but, but intelligence means nothing in the kingdom of God. God says, actually, the only way you can come to me is like a child. You have got to stop putting in all your brilliance and your brilliant ideas and all the things that you think are going to help you to make it in life. Now, I'm not saying don't you know, throw your brain away. I'm not saying that. I mean, as Christians, we need to use the intelligence that we've got. And we thank God for those that are supremely intelligent that use it for the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying being intelligent uh, negates it. But what I'm saying is, is it's harder. It's a lot harder for those who are really bright because there's a tendency to be prideful. There's a tendency to think that you know best. And I have seen this over and over again. You see, because of that, they end up having a closed mind. So they can't hear what you're saying because their mind is closed. Yes? And it's amazing how many times I talk to people and I said, you know, are you open to new ideas? Are you open to things? And they say, and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the moment I talk about Jesus, woof, shutters go up. So in other words, they're not open. They've closed. They've, they've already decided what, is going to, what they're going to believe on that side. So let's just ask ourselves quickly, what are some of the ways that we can know what is true? Well, the first one is through creation. Creation is, uh, well, he says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. No one on the planet has an excuse for not believing in God. Because the fact that God exists is everywhere. You, you look at science. Science shows you, if you've got an open mind to it, science shows you the beauty of God. When you look at, when you look at our world, you see that God loves variety. I mean, for example, let's just think about the beetle. I know you were all thinking about the beetle. And you're all imagining little beetles now coming on there. I want to say to you that, that God has made 60,000 varieties of beetle. Does that not tell you that God loves variety? God loves variety. He gets bored with sameness. He loves the variety. And so when we look at creation, we can see this over and over again, that God loves variety. Why not just 6,000? Why not just 60? Why, why such variety? So God has created in our world such lovely variety. When we look at our world, we see a world that is that God is powerful. We look at the wind, we look at the waves and the storms, and we look at the mountains, and we look at the things that he does, and the, uh, you know, the many of the things that, uh, that happen in our world, we see immense power. Yes, and we just say, oh, Mother Nature. It's absolutely nothing to do with Mother Nature. It's God created our world, and, uh, and, and, and he's the one that set these things. And so when we look at the world, we can see that. I want to say to you, that up until probably about 100 years ago, every top scientist, when they, when, when they were looking at science, they were often theologians. They were often believers. Nearly all of them were believers. Why? Because it was their understanding of God that made them inquire and look at nature. 
What about Solomon? If we read Solomon, some powerful proverbs, <coughs> excuse me, and he's looking at nature. Look at the ant, he says, the, you sluggard. <laughs> In other words, if you're being lazy-itis, just look at the ant. They don't have somebody to get them up in the morning. They don't have a leader. They're up and they're off and they're, they're self-motivated. They're in, they're going. And so you can look at creation and it just gives you principle after principle that God has put there for us to find. And so we see it over and over again. Yes, some brilliant books out that just talk about the power of God in creation. And, and I mean... You see a world that's organized. It's not just random, is it? It's not just like, you know, the evolutionists would say, well, you know, all the man just burst on the scene in this world and, and we, can, we come from this slimy blob and we eventually kind of became what we are, which I don't know about you, but I find that harder to believe than to think that I'm created. It's a bit like you turning up this morning and I just say to you, these lights just appeared. They just, I don't know where they come, but they just, just happened to be there. They came all on their own. Now, you and I would know and we'd think, you idiot, Jonathan. You have got a screw loose because we all know that somebody put them there. Somebody created them. Somebody designed them. They're designed for purpose. Why is it we can look at that and say to ourselves that that's got design, that that somebody put it there, and look at the vastness of our world and the order and the synchronization of it. And the fact that if we were just one degree closer to the sun, or one degree further away, we would either burn up or freeze up. So it's not accidental. Is it okay if I get passionate? Because it's so important what we believe. What we believe is paramount to our everyday life. And this world would say to us, oh, we know, I want to say to you, no one is without excuse. If only they, the problem is people don't want to think. And people just believe whatever they're told. There's design in our world. Romans 1.19, the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. Amen? Second thing is through conscience. We can know what's true through our conscience. Some people naturally obey God's commands even though they don't have the law. This proves that the conscience is like a law written in the human heart and it shows whether we are forgiven or condemned. Every single person in their life, what the Bible is saying there to us is everybody's born with a conscience of knowing right and wrong. And although you think, well, okay, but okay, let's imagine that we have this biddy little old lady that's blind. And she wants to cross the road. Let me ask you, what is the right thing to do? Would it be to forget about her and think, oh, no, I'm not helping her? Or is it that we should help her across the road and, and make sure that she's safe? Or should we push her out in front of the traffic? Now, the thing is, what I'm trying to say to you is, you all know the right thing to do. It's in us, yes? It, there's a conscience in us. Now, it is probably one of the most unreliable parts of it because the more you do wrong, the worse your conscience gets. So in other words, if you lie, you, you, you know, the first time you lie, you feel really bad about it, but the second time you lie, well, a little bit, 
until eventually you can become a compulsive liar and, and you have no conscience on it. So your conscience can be seared, yes? You know what I mean by seared? Yes, burned away as it were. You know, like they do with sheep and they go, glad I'm not a sheep. But um, so it's important to us. So this conscience, that's one of the things that we do. We instinctively know right from wrong. Yes, the third thing is through consideration. Proverbs 14, verse 15 says, Fools will believe anything, but the wise think about what they do. In other words, right and wrong can be proved. If something's right, it's observable. It's verifiable. Yes? So in other words, if I had a map and I wanted to go and I used that map to go to Blackpool. Now if I use that map and go to Blackpool and it gets me to Blackpool, and then I use that map again, and it gets me to Blackpool again. And then I use that map again, and it gets me to Blackpool again. Would you think that that map's reliable? Yeah? So, that's what we're trying to say about the Bible. The Bible is a map for life, and it, is, it doesn't just contain the truth, it is the truth. Now, I, I, I've got to be honest, there are things in the Bible that I don't fully understand. Yeah? There are things that I probably never understand. Some things I don't even try to understand. But one thing I do know is that it is true. Because every time people try to say it's not true, it just becomes even more verified. I mean, for example, they said that there was no, nobody such as the Hittites. They've never existed, the Hittites, until... I put it down, but I've lost my notes. Uh, 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 until a guy comes and finds a whole area that, 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 that are Hittites. Or that they believe that Solomon, it was false, that he had all these uh, thousands of horses. Until they found, in the archaeology thing, they found a place uh, that, that had thousands of, of stables. Now, nobody argues about the Hittites and Solomon having horses because the archaeology has proved the Bible right. What I'm saying to you is the Bible, and if you're not sure, get a book. There's a, there's a good book out, and it's, I mean, it's quite old now, actually, but I think it keeps getting updated a bit. It's uh, Josh McDowell's book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it's just full of stuff that if you can read that and come away and not absolutely fired up with your faith and confidence in it, I want to say to you, nothing will. It's so packed. Amen? It's brilliant. I mean, initially, when I got it in the days of the ark, then it was in two volumes. It was volume one and volume two came out later. Yes? Um, volume two is more about for students and about the redaction criticism, particularly talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament and the way the academics try to, uh, to change it and say, well, did Moses write this? And, well, we know it's the JEDP models and, well, no, J wrote that part of the verse and E read that part of the verse and D did this part, you know. So, but anyway, it's interesting. You'll love it. Um, I don't know why I went off there, but anyway, that's... Uh, that, that's one of the things to do. It's, in other words, the truth is verifiable, yes? So when we, when, why we believe the Bible is because it, it just proves itself to be true over and over and over again, yes? 
So that's, that's important. How am I doing for time? Anybody brave enough to tell me I've got an hour left? <laughs> Just put fingers up there. I've got five minutes. Good man, good, I'll take ten. Right. <laughs> you've all got the thing, you've got your meal in the cooker, haven't you? And it's all burning now. I know that's the, the thing, right? With regard to this, yes, about truth, and particularly preachers and teachers, people like me, I think there are some things you need to think about. The first thing is, is examine their lifestyle. Do they walk the talk? Because talk's cheap, isn't it? And, um, and, and we know that, that there's been people that have, um, that, that have you know, had groups of people um, that have followed them and even gone to their death because they've followed them. Yes? Um, and that's happened many, many times over. So you've got to look at that, yes? So, for example, um, uh, Nietzsche, um, how we pronounce his name, um, went insane. He didn't believe in God. He was an atheist, but he went insane. So are you going to follow what he said? Or what about Sigmund Freud, who committed suicide? Yes? And one of the things was is that what uh, there was some research done, because one of the reasons that Sigmund Freud was an atheist was because he hated his father. And I was reading about the fact that actually that, that, that this, this guy had done this book and he was talking about how actually that for many of the atheists it was, it was because they hated their father that caused them to become an atheist. They either, their, their father had maybe been cruel to them, their father had maybe ridiculed them, their father had not cared for them, or their father had gone up, whatever it was. So you can understand why when you become a Christian, or when the Christian faith says, our father in heaven, you can understand when they hate their earthly father, that they're not going to have an appreciation for uh, a, a spiritual father. And, and, and so what I'm saying to you is there's often things behind it. So when, I, when somebody talks and you think, right, okay, what did Freud say? Should I believe what Freud said? The best thing to do is to look at their life. How, how, did, how did it pan out for them? Which is why you don't model your life on someone that's alive. It's not ended yet. Yes? You can listen to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you've got to, you know what I'm trying to say? So you want to get to people that, Billy Graham. Yeah? You've seen how his life's ended. You've seen what he's saying. So there's some people like that that you can look at and think, now that I can, I can understand what they're saying, I need to listen to. They've, their life ended well. The second thing with regard to truth and, and uh, just considering it and thinking about it, is just listen within yourself for the Spirit of God just to confirm it. Does the Spirit of God confirm it to you? John 14 says there, The Father will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the Spirit who revealed the truth about God. And lastly is through God's commands. We can learn the truth. In other words, it's all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. Yes? In other words, we can discover the truth from reading the Bible. And can I just say a little thing on that? Your Bible on a shelf is not going to make any good. It's not going to make any difference. In other words, the Bible has no shelf life. 
Yes? It only has life when it's appropriate, when it's read and it's taken into your, into your life. So that's the best thing to do. Now, Jesus said the Bible's true himself, and we know the way is. Now, I would go into, if I had time, about why the Scripture is true. I'd love to go into the internal evidence that's shown and the external evidence. But Alpha is a great place. They talk about it on Alpha, yes? Because, in other words, they, they, they talk about the manuscripts and the date between the, the original document that's written and when we have our first manuscripts. And so there are all sorts of different books like Homer and all these things. And many of them are written thousands of years later. And the Bible, they've got first manuscripts from 30, 40 years. The most couple of hundred years. And they have thousands of the manuscripts. And so all I'm saying is there's internal evidence of the witnesses and all that. And there's external evidence as well. So I think what I want you to understand is that truth is not about religion, it's not about race, it's not about ritual, not about rules, not about regulation. It's about a relationship with the truth, Jesus Christ. And that's our final point. You can learn the truth through Christ. Yes, it's an incarnational truth. <coughs> truth is not a principle, but a person. Yes, write that down, tweet it. Yes, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yes? Mohammed, you look at any other world religion, and there's only Jesus that said, I am the truth. Mohammed, he just said, I am a prophet of the truth. Or Buddha, I am searching for the truth. And even on his deathbed said, I still haven't found it. John 3.33 says, those who believe him discover that God is true. Jesus is who he says he is. You have to ask yourself a very simple question. Is Jesus who he says he is? If you read the, the, the Josh McDowell book, he brings it out there, and he says you have to look at Jesus, and you have to make a decision. Was he who he said he was? In each of the words, he was God, he's Lord of your life. Or was he a lunatic? Had he just made all this up, he was crazy, he was off on, his, on one, was he a lunatic? Or was he, did he know what he was doing and so he was a liar? That's, that's the thing, there's only three possibilities of him because you can't just say he's a good teacher because no good teacher would say, I am God. Yes, and so I think that's so important for us. So what to do with the truth? The last few bits to fill in there, yes? And then I'll release you. You are released. Freedom. Okay, what to do with the truth? First of all, believe it. Colossians 1 verse 23. Do it. Stand for it. And spread it. As you would jam on your We've got to do it. It has to be truth put into action. We have to stand for it, not to be ashamed of it, even if it costs us dearly. And I'll finish with the last script. Let everything you do reflect your love of the truth and the fact that you are indeed earnest about it.
It says, indeed, indeed, the gap. Just close the gap and put the E and A to two E's. <laughs> yeah, you are indeed. There you go. That's encouraging you. You are indeed. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for, for the truth. We thank you that today we're not left to meander through life without any knowing any guidance and without knowing which way to go. I pray, Lord, for every single person here today, that, Lord, that they would know you, the truth, that you are the life and that you are the way and that you are everything to us. I pray, Lord, that your word would live in our lives. We thank you that your word is sharp, your word is alive, your word penetrates the very depth of us. Lord, we thank you that your word says things to us that, Lord, that we're very uncomfortable with but never, Lord, lets us off. We thank you, Lord, that it always comes in, discipline and structuring us and, and, and straightening us up and enabling us, Lord, to live with freedom. We thank you, Lord, the freedom that it brings when we live according to your truth. I pray that, Lord, in every single person. I pray for those, Lord, that, uh, that listen to it, that are not here today, um, that, Lord, that they would be blessed and that they would, Lord, live according to your truth. And, Lord, I pray today for lives to be transformed by the power of your truth, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more, please visit us at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk.